Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, this has been a while since we've filmed. Yeah, it's all your fault. Yep, and I noticed that what, it's not all my fault, it's mostly my fault. Last week was not my fault. Yes, was it? yes it was. No, you had to cancel, remember? No, you canceled. No, I had to cancel, but you also canceled. I canceled game night because I had to do right. stuff. You canceled recording. Right, because I had to do stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Therefore, it's your fault. No, therefore, it's your fault. So, it's been a while, and I, I've noticed, I think I know why it's been a while, honestly. And that's because um, last time we recorded, I said, wow, we're on a really good schedule. Well, we'll see you next week, and that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, every time we do that, it seems he to be... He jinxed us, that. is what he's saying. Yeah, it's Daniel's fault. That's that's what that's the what our friend Illuminous is saying. Mm-hmm. It's Daniel's fault. All right. Um, and no, I did not get the promo. I'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, so, yeah, we... We have two back-to-back episodes that we're going to be filming tonight. By all means, as much as we love uh, uh, collaboration, we're going to be talking. This first episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a chits and giggles. We'll talk about why here in a minute. But anybody who's viewing this, um, heads up. Of course, let anybody else who joins in know. Ask me questions. Feel free to do that. I am your eyes and ears for the Gamma Trade Show for this episode. So we're going to be talking about that. This first episode is a chits and giggles episode where we used to do this every year where we would talk about Gamma, the updates, and give like an overall synopsis of what happened during that the Gamma trade show. Um, and just for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's called the Gamma Expo. It stands for Game and Manufacturers, Manufacturers Association. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it used to be described as like, um, kind of like the, uh, how would I describe it? The, the E3, E3 of yeah. board games. Hey! Star Star, good seeing you. Thanks for joining. I know you said you were going to, but I've been told that plenty of times before. So I appreciate you joining. So joining me on the conversation while we're talking. So yeah, this this convention, it's an industry-only convention. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they invite more media people, but really it's only game publishers, uh, distributors, and retailers who get invited to this to this expo. Yeah. Um, it takes place in Reno, Nevada um, uh, until next year. Then it's going to change. I'm going to go more into detail on that as well. Okay. But um, I got to go there, got to see a lot of the announcements, got to see a lot of new updates. Um, this was in late April of 2023, and right now it is mid-May, so it's a little bit yeah, delayed. Yeah, mind but... you, we, like we, we talked about, we missed uh, about three day, or three weeks of recording. Sure. One, yeah. one week because you were in Gamma. Two, yeah. you got back with Gamma crud. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, I felt pretty bad. And three, you had family <laughs> obligations. Yeah. So that's why we're catching up on these episodes. Yep. But again, let me know if you have anything in the episodes. The way we're going to structure this today is we are going to have, um, since kind of eight is our brand, I have eight different points of different things I want to talk about from the show mm-hmm. that I thought would be a good recap. You came up with eight questions that you're going to ask me mm-hmm. since uh, you know you were just unfortunate enough not to go this year. Maybe we'll go next year. We don't know. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. Yep. Especially um, if my wife gets this job, I got to go, be going to the East Coast a little bit more than usual. Right, exactly. Because so, there, uh, there's a possibility I might have to spend a week in Cleveland with her. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, well, that's the whole... <laughs> what a tough life you live. I know, that's kind of how I told her. When everybody asks, like, where's Daniel? I'm like, oh, you know, he has a really tough time this year. He's going to, like, three different <laughs> Disney World vacations kind of thing. It, and everyone's like, man, that must be hard for him. <laughs> like, that was the common th- theme with that, whenever anybody says that. All right, we'll see you. Sorry, sorry. Thanks for joining in. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just so silly. 
But so we have eight points, eight questions. We're gonna get into it. But before we do that, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? Oh, there's I've been playing a lot. And honestly, the last time we talked about it, we were just uh, mentioning it. it's been almost a month. We were talking mm-hmm. about like the last thing we talked about was Massive Darkness, which was right before you left for Gamma. Yep. Massive so, Darkness two. So the one, yeah, massive, massive darkness too. The one I, the one I want to talk about first off. Uh, I just recently played not too long ago. I think it was not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Uh, and this is a one that you've recommended for quite a bit, and it's Rolling America. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was a great game. I was showing it to some friends because it's real simple. Was this the first time you played? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was showing it's it to good. some friends. It's it's actually an easy enough rule book. Uh, mm-hmm. You just gotta you you roll some dice. It's uh, for a four player game. You roll six dice, mm-hmm. uh, two for each player that rolls for a round, and you play. And I believe it's eight rounds. Something like that. And so you have to put your numbers matching the colors, but there's a rule where they have to be, like, within one of the number that they are next to. So if you play, let's say, a four in a spot, all the surrounding areas have to either be fives or threes. Cause they got, or, but you also have other abilities where you can change a color, but you can only use that three times a game. You can block or guard a number. This way you can play anything next to it. And I like the pack, fact that it was you just having to try to figure out how to minimize how many X's you're going to put on the board. Um, Because when you can't place a number either by a roll or you can't guard it anymore, then you got to place an X. Or if you don't have it all filled out, you got to, at the end of the rounds, uh, eight rounds, you have to X whatever's left. And whoever has the least amount of X's did their game more efficiently, so they win. I thought I was doing okay with that one. Ended up with 11 X's. Ouch. That was the last place. I was tied with someone else with 11 X's. I okay. think the winning person was 9 X's. Yeah, so that must have been a tough, <laughs> tough rolls. Oh, yeah, they weren't great rolls. There was a lot of fives. There was a lot of threes, which usually are threes are good. <laughs> yeah. But the thing They're is, you well. also, even if you're playing in, like, say, the blue state areas, if you play a blue three somewhere... The other, even including the other states, even though they're a different color, have to still follow the number rules. So you yeah. got to do twos or ones, and it's just like, okay, where do I use my guards? Where do I use my colors? Uh, like my favorite thing was in the West is like, okay, I rolled this stupid, uh, what is it, a red six? I got nowhere I'm going to put it. I'm going to stick it in Alaska because it's not going to bother me any. Yeah. Uh, so it was fun. I liked it, but it stressed my friend out so much. They actually came in second place. There was a tie for last place with 11, and I think a buddy of mine got an 8, and she got a 9 or something like that. It was like a two-point difference between everybody. But, yeah, she she came in second place, but she was stressed like you wouldn't believe. She's like, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) And I'm like, well, it makes sense to you because you got less X's than I did. So I had a great time uh, with Rolling America. I like it a lot. It's a nice little quick game. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be bringing it out to that group anymore. But well, I mean, I'm down to play it almost any time. Like when when I first played um, on tour, uh-huh. like I was very disappointed in it because I knew I already knew Rolling for America. My thing and is, I feel it's better. I like on tour more, mm-hmm. just because it's more like you're you're trying to make a longest pattern. So yeah. It's it's simpler to get when you have to follow the Rolling America rules. It's a brain burner it can it, be, for yeah. a roll and write game. It is 
very hardcore when it comes to like the for a game right game at that. It's like yes. oh god, I got the six. Where am I gonna put this? Is this gonna be my first X? No, okay, I can put it here. But now it sucks because I just screwed myself over into the these states. So that's awesome. No, that's a, that's a good pick. I mean, I I'm glad you finally got to play it because I've been promoting it for a long time. And again, game right mm-hmm. it's always an advantage. Uh, let's see here. Pretty neat card builder game called Ausonia. I've never heard of that one. I haven't heard of that one either. Please do tell us more about us, Illuminous. What was yours? Uh, the first game I've been playing, um, and I'm so sorry, all of the games I'm going to be talking about today are ones you haven't played yet. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And this first one, I don't feel hang out bad. With us anymore. I know. This first one, I do genuinely feel bad about that I've gotten a chance to play it and you haven't yet. My Shelfie. I almost picked that up from the shop the other day, but then I saw Mila Fiori, and I'm like, I'm going to grab that one, because yeah. that's what I was going for. Yes. you got to stay true. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll, we'll have a copy of my shelfie later on to buy. But this is uh, Phil Walker-Harding. Um, you have 3D shelves, and, uh, and Matthew Dunstan, yes. Um, 3D shelves, and you pick up tiles from the floor. Basically, you've unshelved everything. You're trying mm-hmm. to reorganize it back onto your shelves. What's cool is that you have a few different ways of scoring. First, you have a private card. Okay. Which tells you you want certain items in certain places. Um, so you're trying to adhere to that. Then you have some objective cards, which, you know, standard Phil Walker Harding style, they decrease in value if whoever gets it first. Um, and this will be anything like all like all six spaces in a column must be different. Okay. Or a two by two square that are all the same item. First one that gets it takes the tile, et cetera, et cetera. And then lastly you can score points by your groups. Okay. Um you know, every group that's three or more tiles adjacent of the same type, mm-hmm. those are going to score points as well. So, there's a lot going on in it, but the game itself is obviously really simple. Take anywhere from one to three tiles that are in a straight line and have at least one side empty. Those are the tiles you take, but then the catch is you can put them in any order in your shelf, but they all must be in the same column. Okay. So, that gives a little bit, it's like, well, of course I want this purple one, but doesn't really work in this column where I'm putting this blue that's next to it. Yeah. You, know, you got to figure that out. But overall, it works really well. Um, I finally got a chance to play it. Uh, as far as Phil Walker-Hardings go, it's hard to compare, but this is, like, just straight average. Like, okay. it's it's everything you expect from a game from his. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Cool, cool. It, it does a lot of the same mechanisms, but there's nothing where you're like, oh, wow, I've never seen that. Like, yeah, 100% I, is I just, get that. That's kind of how we felt with, um, what was that other one we just played? Uh, can't remember it, but there was one where like, okay, I like what this does, but it's not my favorite out right. of their grouping. Yeah. Because it doesn't do anything. That, uh, for you, it's also like planted. You're like, it's great, but right. if I'm going to do drafting, I'll do like Sushi Go or something like right. that. Where I enjoy Planted more so because my wife enjoys that game. No, see, I care zero about Planted, so... Yeah. Uh, so the next one I'm going to talk about is one that I've talked about a different variant of this game, but um, I just recently went up last weekend to Albuquerque, which is about three and a half hours north of us. Mm-hmm. So we stopped at... A, we went up to go see uh, Hamilton on the Broadway show, so we're like, okay, we're going to kill some time. We're, we'll do some stuff in... Uh, Albuquerque, let's have some fun. So we went to uh, Empire Board Game Cafe, which is off Central. Shout out to Empire. Yeah, yeah, which is like downtown Albuquerque or just uh, to the west or the east of downtown. Yeah. So we're like, okay, let's kill some time. We went over there. Let's go to have coffee. I convinced everybody. They're like, okay, 
Well, we didn't have a lot of time because we had dinner reservations at 5.30. We got into Cruz or Albuquerque about, uh, probably want to say like one in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So we had dinner reservations at a Brazilian restaurant at 5.30. And then we had the show at Is 8. There's a Brazilian restaurant there? Yeah, Tucanos. Hmm. It's actually pretty good. I've never, never heard of uh, it. I don't think you would like anything on there. Probably not, but that doesn't mean I haven't, I haven't Yeah, heard it's of a it. churrasco. <laughs> it's where the they cook the meat on the spit and they cut it at your pl- uh, table. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. But, um, to my chagrin, or, uh, we're getting off track here, uh, we went to Board Game Empire mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some coffee, I'm going to play some games, but I wanted to play something that we were familiar with, this way we didn't have to learn rules. It was and, you and uh, three others, right? Yeah, your it was my, me, and my wife, and our two friends that uh, I played Rolling America with. Nice. Uh, the couple friends we always hang out with. And <clears throat> I decided, you know what? We already know how to play Thanos Rising or Dark Side Rising. I busted out. I've, I've been wanting to try this one, so I busted out the Harry Potter Death uh, Death Eaters Rising. Nice. Okay. Um, plays pretty much the same as the other games. You yeah. roll some dice, you recruit people to you, or you attack the villains. Uh, and the thing is, we were this one has something a little bit different. Okay. So you know how like the other one, you have to beat a certain amount of uh, bad guys mm-hmm. to win the game without losing your character or a certain amount of your sure. character yeah, being lost. Yeah, reaches first. Yeah, this one, it, the Voldemort card gets put in about halfway through the deck. So you shuffle up the deck, you set everything up, and then once all that's done, you take the Voldemort card and you put it halfway through the deck. Just estimating. Then. You play the game as you go, and as you're revealing cards, once he gets revealed, he moves over to your board. Because there's two boards. Uh, so what happens here is if you lose... The way you lose in this game is if you lose, I think it's 12 uh, heroes in total. If one person gets completely knocked out... Oh, sorry. He, you shall not be named. Sir. Sir. Uh, or one of your character, life, one character gets completely knocked out. Uh, and then if you lose four locations total or one location completely, all of, um, I, there was another game that kind of does that where, oh, uh, the loop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's all that. The only way you can win is if you beat up he who shall not be named. Who? <laughs> so. When I you, say his name three times, is he going to pop up? Every time I'm actually explaining something, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I don't know the I don't know the source material. Just saying. So, anyways, plays exactly the same. Uh huh. Uh, But if you lose the locations, uh, four locations, you lose the game. If you lose one uh, location completely, you lose the game. And so you have to beat him up. But the only damage you can do to him is based off of how many villains you've already defeated before. Oh. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty so like if you've only defeated two villains, let's just say it was all the the card stack was all the heroes you could get, yeah. you couldn't beat a lot of villains. Then even though you can assign so many dice to it, you could only ever hit him twice, and he takes I think like eight hits before he's defeated. Something oh like wow! That. It is it's quite difficult. We had a great time playing it. We had a great time at Board Game Cafe. Uh, it was interesting. I, I do want to pick it up um, because a friend of mine, the, the one we were with, they were thinking about for their, she owns a business and having me take some games over there for like a business thing where like groups. And so I'm like, I know there's Harry Potter fans in there. I know there's Marvel fans in there and I know there's Star Wars fans in there. Might as well have all three of those yeah. and let them choose which one they want to play. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So, yeah, no, uh, Harry Potter, Death Eater Rising. If you like Thanos Rising or the Star Wars one, if you imported right. it, uh, you'll like this one if you're into Harry Potter. It's just pick your poison with uh, the theming. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, that makes... I do like the, that, that one difference where he seeds into the deck. Yeah, And then that when, he, cool. when he pops up, he goes to his own little thing. He's not even in the major board. That's it. That is neat. I do like that idea. I would be willing to try this. It, it was pretty good. I yeah. liked it a lot. The The dice, I, I do, like I do have things. one problem with the dice. Because hmm? you have four colors in there. Uh, normally, I think it's like three colors or something like that. There's uh, purple, red, uh, blue, and brown, I think it is, something like that. So you're... You, the brown and the red are so close together; uh, it's not uh, even knock. funny. Yeah, so it's like it was—it was hurt my eyes. I was like, "Okay, you got to tell me which one of the browns." Once you figure out that um, the browns will ha- have the double-sided sword with the lion head, then you know which one it is. If it's uh, yeah, so there was like uh, purple, blue, uh, red, and brown. So yeah, no, but it was good though. That was my only complaint is just that you had a, a hard time distinguishing the dice. Like color problems. Yeah. Also, when you're choosing your characters, there's three that you can choose from based on the basis. You can get uh, Dumbledore's army, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, what is it? The Ministry and the Hogwarts teacher. Uh-huh. And one player, uh, two players can play the same grouping, and you'll have different starting ones. But they give you the same token, so when me and my buddy were both doing the Hogwarts students, the Dumbledore's army, we actually had to, my side, or his side was the blank one, or no, my side was the blank one, and his the one had to be the lettering, this way we could figure out which one was ours as we're moving in different locations. Oh, wow. This way we didn't move the wrong one, because you know, when he turns, he hits you. Yeah. That makes sense. So it was a bit difficult just to remember which token I was, so yeah. I would upgrade that if I could. Sure, yeah, I mean, I've always... Like, I don't know, setting out the tokens just seems too cheap for me. Yeah, like, no, so what I would do is, like, I don't know, I would get, like, uh, maybe a cross wand or have something 3D printed for it, depending on the students. This way you know whose is whose. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Uh, you know, Marvel, speaking of uh, Disney, mm-hmm. I played a Disney-themed game as well. Um, last week when, uh, you know, you, un- you unfortunately had to cancel our game night. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, a friend of mine came over, and a friend of ours came over, yeah. and we played a bunch of two-player games. I was on our shelf for shame. Well, uh, one of them was one that I had on for quite some time, and I finally got a chance to play it. Not familiar with the source material. Yeah. Um, but that was the Rocketeer. It's a decent movie, but I heard the game's better. The game is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know about the movie. Uh, again, I had, I didn't even know what the movie was until I saw the game. If you I was like, watch, wow, that looks cool. If you have Disney+, Plus, I think it's on there. I probably will now. Um, the game itself was really neat. I mean, you played two different sides. You had the villains and the rocketeer side. Mm-hmm. You had three characters for each one. They had minis. They did something really smart with the minis. They had um, action symbols for each of the characters, and even though like they were... Either um, like yellow or blue, whatever mm-hmm. the characters were. Their bases were either hexagonal, square, or circular that matched the the icon on the character on the minis. Yeah. So even though like I mean minis are like sometimes you can get them mixed up if they're just all humans, right? Like that was a very great distinguishing between it, and then that mattered for the cards because all the cards are multi-use. Okay. Some can only work for certain people. Um, they can be used up to three different ways. One is just basic actions on the left side. One is the special action 
mm-hmm. on the right side, which had like text, and normally you had to uh, spend your influence or whatever it was, yeah. some kind of currency. I forgot what it's called. Um, or you use it as defense if it had that symbol, if it had a shield down on it. And it was really cool how it worked. Like you're, you're going back and forth. You were trying to get these finale cards, which at the end of the game they would be worth anywhere from zero to six points. Okay. Depending on some were just flat out points, like two or three points each. Got it. Some were like two points, but two more if you also control this area at the end of the game. Okay. And some were like, oh well, if you're a villain, every one of your um, soldiers that are out at the end of the game is worth one point. Okay. Our friend Dom destroyed me at the game. <laughs> yeah, and like, I had like so much fun. Yeah, I was kind of expecting it. But there was something so unique about this game that I was thoroughly impressed with it. Cool. I think the only reason why it doesn't... Uh, people don't hear as much about it is just two because... Players. Well, not so much as two-player. It's, it's an, on an IP of a movie from the 80s that wasn't mm, like... Early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. But it was like one of those... Live action wasn't Disney's thing at the time. And it was a very campy movie, too. Yes, I imagine it was. No, it was a very campy movie. Yeah, but I... It's one of those examples of, like, I would go see the source material now, because now I'm really intrigued, because I feel like that game did it really good justice, from what I could tell. And the components are good, all of the flavor that was in it, like, just seemed really fun. Controlling different areas, sending people to go, beat each other up, um, or tussle with each other. Um... (laughs) Like, there was so many cool things that was going on in it. It was pretty heady, though. Um, it wasn't a kid's game, per, oh, per yeah, se. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the rock, uh, um, Rocketeer is not a, a kid's movie, in a sense. Right. It was one that when Disney was trying to do, like, more... Like teenager yeah. stuff, yeah. So the thing with that one is it came out in the early 90s, and it was supposed to be, like, one of those pulpy 40 radio-type shows. Oh, yeah, and that makes so, sense. Or you think think along the lines of something like The Shadow or yeah. uh, those old school stuff. So yeah, it's kind of like, that's what the source material is based on. One thing I did really like about the art and components and mm-hmm. like the whole graphic design is that everything had that like shiny gold art deco style. Yeah. That was old, very indicative Like I said, it was yeah. to take place like in like the 30s yeah. and the 20s. And, and that 20s reminded 20s. me yeah. of it. I was like, man, yeah, that, that was pretty dope. It was really cool. And one of the fun things was is that at, you're planning these. Um, you're planning these, or you have these plan cards. Yeah. And two of them are phony. One is the real rocket plans, like yeah. the jetpack plans. And you have to choose which of your character gets which ones. And then only when you tussle with a character and beat them up, mm-hmm. do you reveal their card. Uh, and if okay. you happen to reveal the plan, then you get all three, and then you do it to yours. <laughs> and then at the end of every round, when all characters are taking the action, yeah. you draw a bonus finale card for that. And then each round has a different location that's that's being fought over. So if you control that location, you also draw a finale card for that. But then your other cards might just say, like, oh, if you do this, draw a finale card. Or if these two characters are in the same spot. It's cool. I highly, highly recommend it. So, I'm really impressed. I, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to watch <laughs> the Marcana show... Is all I mean. Uh, if you're going to watch the show or the movie, uh-huh. go into it knowing it's not the best movie in the world. It's really trying to go through like that whole pulpy uh, yeah. type stuff. It's it's great. I enjoyed it as when I was younger. I haven't watched it in years. Probably right. about a good 20 years. Yeah. No, it's our, our mutual friend, he wants to go buy a copy now. Nice. Like, And that's, that's rare that I show him a game where he's like, wow, that was cool. I think you would like the mess out of it. I probably would. That was Rocketeer. 
from Funko Games. So the next two games I'm going to talk about, normally we don't do this, but I really actually enjoyed both of them. I played them today. Our, what? Our, our mutual friend you played Game, it today. Yeah, our mutual friend Gamehead Geek came over and we played two of these games. There was one more we played, Cartographers. I've talked that one more than enough. You have. <laughs> so the next, the next one I'm going to talk about is one that you actually just got a copy of. Our mutual friend Dom has a copy of, and you hid this specific copy for our friend to go and buy. This is Flamecraft. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so you got a chance to play Flamecraft. Yeah. Is this I, the first game of it? Yeah, this is my first game okay, of it. Okay, because that's my number three as well. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk it's, about it. It's actually a really decent game. Mind you, I only played It's two too pretty to be as good as it's supposed to be. <laughs> it has no right being as good. It's so simple, too, because you, you, all you're doing really in this one is a kind of worker placement. I told him more it's like uh, action selection in a... Action selection in a bit. So you mm -hmm. just send out your dragon. You have two choices: either you gain, gather your resources, and activate dragons, yeah. or you uh, enhance en that thing. Enchant it. En yeah. Enchant it. Yeah. Enchant it. And so it's very simple. I had a, such a good time with this one. Um, it's cutesy. Uh, and honestly, it was his was a store copy, so it wasn't like the Kickstarter yeah. exclusive one. It was just you had the nice little dragon pieces. Yeah, it's still great. My only complaint is that I would like the the cardboard pieces to be a little bit thicker. The yeah. cardstock is nice. I love the little play mat it gets in. I love mm -hmm. the fact that you're just flipping up new powerful locations. Yep. I had a gold card, and my buddy was like, "Why are you flipping all these things?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it," because uh, I had to get all the starter dragons off the starter locations where I can get oh, the yeah. maximum points. Yeah, and so I be, I was using all the potion abilities where it's like, oh, okay, you switch this dragons. with another one. Yeah, uh, I love the art on this one. This is such a beautiful game for for with the art and stuff like mm -hmm. that i had a great time playing this one very simple like uh i do agree that i think this would be better with more than two players uh, me yeah. and my buddy were talking oh, about yeah. it. It, it it's just seemed we weren't really flipping uh the enhancements to like to the back end of the game after we accrued all our resources we yeah. never actually went to the same spot where i think if four people are in there it's going to cause more people to go into the same spots this way you got to yeah. pay a resource to another person yeah uh just because you need to accrue better resources in a sense where this yeah. one is like okay i'm going to go here i know you're going to get off that spot so if i set myself up for the next two turns yeah i don't yeah, have to pay you anything the only time I was paying him resources, if it gets me victory points. <laughs> yeah, which always, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's not a time when you would... I don't like... need this bread. Here, you can have this. Give me two points. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had a great time with it. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, to add on to that. So, I played at the full contingent brand new, though. Okay. And it did take about three hours for us to, to really get the swing of it and get going. I mean, okay. it, that was my... But then again, it was also play. like four people playing brand new, so... Five. It was five people playing. Yeah, it plays up to five. Well, you played with the full five. That's right. Yes, Oof. we played with the full five. And so I've shown it at the shop, and they've all really enjoyed it. But it was a group of four people, and they were like, they stopped about halfway. They're like, "Yeah, we get it. Mm -hmm. Like, we would like to continue, but like, uh, we, we want to play, play it." Yeah. So I was like, "Cool, that's fine. As long as you know how to play it, they'll probably come back and pick it up because they yeah. liked it." Um, my only real gripe about it is so. This one flew under the radar for me. I know a lot of people are like, oh my god, like, mm -hmm. Flamecraft, the Kickstarter, it's going to be amazing. 
And and I remember seeing when that Kickstarter came out, and I was like, that game is too pretty. Now nah, I'm good. And and it's it's such a deterrent, like not because of it, it's pretty. I love the way it looks. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that when I see a game that looks that good, it I feel it's got to be making up for something, right? It's like <laughs> it's like when I see like a game about cats. The first thing I assume is like, okay, so you took a bad game and put cats on it, so it'll sell. And that's kind of how I felt. It's like, oh wow, super adorable dragons, huh? Well, I wonder if they're just trying to push sales, which of course you know, it's a Kickstarter. That's the point. Cats but, on the bed. Yeah, cats on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just it's I don't know, like that stressed me out. It was a great game. I enjoyed myself playing yeah. it. Um I like how it was engine building, but you're building up the engine for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're building up just the worker placement spots. So that's super unique. Putting your dragon out there. Yeah, putting your dragons out there. Oh, you're going to make it better for Because you get a nice little coin or yeah, a fancy dragon sure. or whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> that's not enough game. Yeah. That's fair. I get that. Uh, corrupt. Yeah, it's... I mean, it is it is simple. That's, that was illuminous. Oh, no. no but, Flamecraft, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. It's very simple. It is... It, it's good for, like... It's a family weight game. Mm-hmm. I would use this for, like, uh, eight... Uh, yeah. Some eight-year-olds, up to, like, ten or something like that. It's very simple. Yeah. Um... What I do have to say about this one, I was just researching it because me and my buddy were talking, our, our friend Gamehead Geek were talking about it. The, the reason why I didn't back it on Kickstarter because it was going the same time as one of the city collections was oh, going. Oh, yeah, that's it a was, good uh, reason. It was September 2021. Yep, that's a good reason too. No, it, this Flamecraft was a hit at the show. In fact, they at the booth, they had a few copies, but that was one of the guys who was showing it off. Mm-hmm. He had um, he added his own store. He's a store owner. Yeah. And when they were packing up, he was taking inventory of them to make sure that they were all still there. <laughs> it was yeah, like, that wow. Is... Wow, that's, that must be a hot title. Yeah, and it, it was probably that uh, that he had to take it back to the store for it could sell. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I even told him about the or like near like the last day, I was like, anywhere I could just buy one on the way out. He was like, you can buy one at the store. I'm like, yeah, but I want one now. I'm like, why don't you wait till your store gets it? I'm like, because I want it now. That's the thing. It's like, give me my shelfie while I'm at it. <laughs> okay, I have the money. It takes my money. Yeah, no, Funcraft is cool. All right, and your last one? My last one is very simple. Uh, it's a roll and write game that I bought a Kickstarter exclusive from the Game Steward store. Oh, yes, okay. Uh, uh, our, my our major friend, he's a big fan of Three Sisters, so I wanted to show him the first game that that, that designer came up with, Okay. and that was Fleet the Dice Game. That's uh, cool. So the, the, he was made so far three of these uh, dice games where you need, like, two pads. Yeah. There was this one, that was uh, Fleet the Dice Game was the first one. Three Sisters was the next one, and I think the last one is, I think it's called the French Quarter, if I remember correctly. It's like 25th, or, uh, 25th Century Game, I think, is releasing uh, the French Quarter. Yeah. But this one, is it's real simple. You play eight, no, ten rounds. Um, only five of the rounds are going to go fishing. So okay. every even round you do fishing, but you're setting everything up. And so you have... The first part of the phases, uh, there's four or five phases per round. So the first phase, boat uh, phase, you you build a dice pool depending on the number of players. Um, and for a two-player game, it's three. In a four-player game, I think it's all five dice. So what's going to happen is you're going to roll the dice. Uh, the first player is going to choose one. Then the next player is going to choose another. And then after all that's said and done, there's always going to be one in the middle. Everybody's going to use that one. And so you're just marking things off. So, okay, the boat dice. I I started with swordfish, so let's go with swordfish. Boom, boom, boom. 
All right, I got a license. I got a boat. Um, I can fish when we go to a fishing uh, situation. So I pick, let's say I pick shrimp because I know I'm going to start working on this one as well. Yeah. And you just keep doing that for 10 rounds. Every even round you fish. So every time you have a boat launch, you just mark off one of the fish uh, spots. Every time you gain coins, you mark off coins. And I like the way they did this. So squares mean absolutely nothing. You just mark them off. Yeah, the Fleet the Dice game is a roll and write. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mark them off, the squares. Circles means you activate something. So uh, whether it's a license or a boat, license mm-hmm. give you bonuses. Uh, uh, and there's other stuff for like the harbor and the wharf. We haven't got to that phase yet. Every time you activate a star, it's just a mark anywhere you want on the on your board. Oh, cool. You can mark it on most of the places on the board. There is one specific spot where you can't mark the, the stars sure. uh, that I can remember. Uh, then you do income phase. You always gain one coin on your income phase. And then any bonuses you base off a of license. So anytime you get into the, the, the second row of licenses, you always add two to your income. And then there's other things that can also increase your income. But whenever you do income phase, you can only ever get a max of 10 coins per round. And then you go into the third phase, which is fishing, usually on even rounds. So that's when you just mark all the fish. Then you go into the final phase of the round. You do the town phase. So there's going to be town... uh, In a three-player game, there's going to be two town dice and one fish die. So you're going to roll the dice. They do different things. So you have your harbor where you're marking off either boats... You have markets where you're basically selling your fish, and it just depends on how many fish you have written up, and that's where you just mark coins off. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the war where you're building stuff up, and it gives you bonus uh, victory points and stuff like that. It's really good. Um, there's one that specifically that's in the war where you don't use your bonuses to mark off, because okay. it is the seafood buffet. Okay. So when you get it activated, um, then you have to use, because you always have a boat die in there. So it has like the different like oysters, the fish, the shrimp, and all that. You use that to mark off on the, the, the buffet. For every one you get, you increase your point totals based off the buffet restaurant. Because if you get one, it's one victory point. If you get two, it's three, five, and I think to a max of 15 victory points for all six. Okay. <clears throat> die face. <coughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> so when you do that, you can't mark off the star on that. <clears throat> Other than that, it's very straightforward. It plays very quickly. I really, really enjoyed it. Now, I know a lot of comparisons <clears throat> made between, obviously, Fleet the Dice game, uh, but it seems to be like most reviewers say Fleet the Dice game is better. What do you think? Uh, compared to the card game, they play kind of completely. The only thing about them the same is your your fishermen, and you're doing boats. Where fleet the dice game is, you're trying to decide if you're going to use your cards to make it a license. You're trying to use your cards to decide if you're going to launch a boat. This one it doesn't do okay. that. It's as you go down on the thing. Like I would not consider them uh, fleet the dice game does not kill the card game for me because the card game plays completely different. I see. This one you have to in the the card game you have to make a lot of your choices how you're going to use your cards whether they're going to be for money or this or that. Whereas uh, fleet the dice game. You're beholden to the dice roll, okay? I'm going to take this, I'm going to increase this, I'm going to use my bonuses for this. That's it. You just take what's on the die, and then you use your bonuses as you go. There's not a lot of, like, your decision is which die you're going to take and how you're going to mark it. Yeah. 
Other than that, uh, it doesn't really do anything else. Uh, I'm thinking, like, cause we're going to have to probably wait for him. He says he probably might be there at 7 to play Western Legends tomorrow. Okay. I figured I was going to show this one to us as we're waiting on him. Cool. That sounds good. And then just to catch up on some of the comments, Santorini, enough game to, or not enough game to basic. Uh, I'll only play, my daughter's playing Santorini is more strategy, yeah. Santorini has a lot of strategy. Oh, yeah, Santorini has a lot of strategy, yeah. especially when you start using the uh, gods' uh, yeah. pantheon. And Hadrian's Wall and Guild of Merchant Explorers, nice, okay. And those are basically rolling rates. Yeah, Hadrian's Wall is pretty good. It's very, very uh, hectic because there's just so many moving parts on this on yeah. that one. I mean, we played it in like an hour and a half. No? Right. And that My was... quarrel is just that it's multiplayer solitaire. Yeah, well, Fleet the Dice game is pretty much that, too. Yeah. Most rolling yeah. rights are. Yep. All right, and the last one I want to talk about is a game style that you absolutely love. It's uh, Social uh, social Deduction. Now, so, this is from the same design group as who made Deception Murder <coughs> Hong Kong, but they have their own company, and this game is called Cheese Thief. And it's a game where somebody is stealing a cheese. So you have a little foam wet uh, triangle... In the middle of the table, and that's your slice of cheese. And everyone has a little cup, and they put a D6 under it. So, what you do is... Yeah, it's who sold my cheese. It, it's so ridiculous. So, <clears throat> the way the game works is that everyone's dealt a card. One player's the cheese thief. Everyone else is not. They're just normal rats. Or mice. Um, then everyone shakes up their die. Mm -hmm. And then puts it down under their cup, and they all secretly look. The number you rolled is what hour you're going to wake up. So if you rolled a 1, you're going to be the first group to wake up. Then 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. At the time when the cheese thief wakes up, they are supposed to take the cheese. If they are the only one who wakes up during that time, then they have a pretty good uh, chance of being not caught, of course. Because right? mm -hmm. the game isn't supposed to be like, oh, well, I heard that person caught. No, nah, it's just... You're supposed to deduce by, oh, well, I woke up at 2 and the cheese was still there. It's like, oh, but you woke up at, at 4 and the cheese wasn't there? Well, then obviously somebody woke up at 3 there and stole go. it, right? But, of course, <coughs> just like every social deduction game, you can lie. There's a couple little nuances, too, that make it a little interesting. First off, if you're the only one to wake up and you are not the cheese thief, then you may look at somebody else's card. So you can help validate some information. Um, of course, you don't always want to say that right off the bat. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part is that if two people wake up and one of them is the cheese thief, obviously they're going to seal the, see the person seal the cheese. That person now becomes their partner and only <laughs> wins if the cheese thief wins. But if that wasn't good enough, let's say three people wake up during the same time. Let's say three. Okay. Well, the cheese thief, everyone see the, the other two players see the cheese thief. They pick one of those players, point to them, that's the player that's working with them. The other person is no is not on the Cheese Thief team, but they know exactly who it is. <laughs> so they have to convince everybody. It's like the Merlin idea. And, and and so there's some really silly stuff in it. Like, I mean, the whole game is supposed to be silly. I, of course, with the cheese and everything. Right. I know, exactly. Stealing cheese. Uh, the cheese contraband. My favorite part about it is that we were playing it, and there was a bit of a language barrier. Yeah. Um, because it's from, my, I think, a Korean board game company. And, and they surprised. were, yeah, they were very cool about um, t demoing it to us. And one of the rules that wasn't made clear is that, like, when you steal the cheese, you should hide it somewhere, like where 
like you don't have to use your hands, right? Yeah. Like you don't just want to hold it in your hand. But then people are like, why is your hand clenched? No reason, right? You know, you don't want to make it obvious. But and so you have to like put it in a pocket or move it like under your leg or something. And when they made that clear after the first demo, they're like, oh yeah, the guy who was the cheese thief. He was like, I didn't really know what to do because like I, I took the cheese and I was like, okay. I was like, oh, well, you do this. And I did a sleight of hand thing, and I made it disappear. And the guys were like, like the guys who got were like, whoa. And then they gave me that look like, no, but seriously, like, what, what happened to it? We need that back. <laughs> this is a lovely demo. I was like, no, no, it's good. It's good. We're good, we're good guys. Yeah, it was, it was so dumb. But it was absolutely hilarious. I had a blast with it. It's only like a $30 game, and it plays like eight yeah, players. Yeah. It's, it's silly. It's still, um, it's still social deduction. You're not going to like it. But it's, it, I, like, the humor involved in it really comes across. Because it's like, as soon as you say the name, oh, this game is called Cheese Thief. You're like, immediately like, is that a euphemism or am I going crazy? Like, what what's going on here? And then you find out, oh, you're no, like someone's just straight up stealing a, stealing a cheese. It does well. And and I like it. So I'll probably eventually pick up a copy. We'll see. But I was I was excited going into the convention knowing that it was going to be there. Because okay. I had been interested in that for a while. Cool. Awesome. All right. You ready to get started on the Gamma Recap? Yes, I sure am. All right. So, as I said at the top of the episode, what we're going to be going into is uh, I have like eight different points of different events or things mm-hmm. that happened throughout the Gamma Trade and Show. And I have eight different questions for you. And uh, so we'll just go back and forth. Yep, sounds good All to right. me. So, I'm going to start off by talking about how this was um, uh, my friend Dom joined us, our friend Dom. Yeah. Um, and he joined us because you unfortunately couldn't make it, which was a bummer. But No, he did not. Yeah. But he's asking if they shot any live footage. Oh, no, I only took pictures. Um, they were pretty... They, they were open to people shooting footage, but they invited a whole bunch of... Um, like, actual reviewer, Actual reviewers yeah. and stuff, which we count, but we're not... Like, yeah, normally we're a we weird go, media group. Uh, in all honesty, we don't really go for media. Uh, we won't go for we're our not. local shop. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this is my friend Dom's very first... Uh, Gamma. Gamma and board game convention. So he didn't know really what to look yeah, for. It wasn't his first board game. Well, we had the local one, yeah, even though I it was mean, tiny. First one that was over like a couple thousand people, mm-hmm. right? It had like big publishers and stuff showing. Yeah, up. exactly. And the and an exhibit hall. <laughs> and, like, not a hockey so, rink. Not a hockey <laughs> rink, right? Exactly. <laughs> Where all the game tables were set up. It, that was that was weird, right? But it was odd. But um, no, this was his very first time, so. Uh, the entire time traveling up there, I was like, "Hey, what are you? What are you looking for? What are you expecting? Like, is there anything I can like give you a heads up for?" Mm-hmm. And and I gave him a heads up. One of the big things about Gamma is that it runs from Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, that first day is just seminars. Yeah, all like, it is is seminars. It's basically you're going to school. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 I told him I was like, "Look." Like, don't be surprised if, like, Monday's boring. Yeah. And there was a game day afterwards, but really it was, like, like just, like, set your and expectations low. And we're not even talking, like, uh, joke-wise. Uh, it's a Monday. It's usually from 9 to 5 yep. different seminars, PowerPoints. A lot of it is basically companies telling you what's coming out. But there was other stuff. There right. was, like, one we went into last year where someone was basically giving a PowerPoint and how to make your store more uh, approachable and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. And all these are, like, really good uh, industry seminars, and it makes sense. But I, I told him that. I was like, look, the first day is not where it's at. Now, back when you and I went, it was, the first day, Monday, was seminars. Second day was premier presentations mm-hmm. when all the publishers talked. And then 
Wednesday, Thursday would be the exhibit the hall. Exhibit hall, yeah. This flipped it a little bit. They had um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening or afternoons the exhibit hall, and then premiere presentations on Tuesday, th- Wednesday. Okay. So they they split it up a little bit more. But with that being said, though, um, this was his very first one, and so I gave him that expectation. We did drive. It's a seventeen hour drive. Um, absolutely worth it. You split it. Uh, yeah, we one split day it. in t- uh, mm-hmm. Vegas. Yep, one day going to Vegas, spending the night there. Next day, uh, going to Reno, and then on the way back, same thing, back to Vegas. And the thing is, the 10-hour drive to Vegas Mm -hmm. feels a lot quicker than the 7-hour drive to Reno. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) And and one of the cool things about it when we were going is he was very, uh, unlike you, he was a very calm passenger. (laughs) (laughs) He did not give me nearly as much crap as you did. I mean, no offense. No, he went. But you gave me a lot of crap. <laughs> he went very passively, and he was pretty much game for just about whatever. Um, like if I was like, "Hey, let's go do this," he's like, "Yeah, sure, let's go." You know, whatever. But like, hey, let's do this. The only thing he ever asked to do that was outside of Gamma uh-huh. was to go see the Hoover Dam. So I was like, when we when we go past Vegas, let's go. And so we went and saw the Hoover Dam. That was cool. And um, Prior to that, he had only ever seen one show in Vegas. It was The Amazing Jonathan that he had seen. Oh, the lucky bastard. I know. He is lucky. But he had never seen any shows. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, Amazing Jonathan is a show. He's never seen any shows. Mm-hmm. So I got the I got the privilege of um, forcing him <laughs> to to go to Tournament of Kings for the okay. first night. Yeah. Because we're also both very hungry. So that worked out really well. Cause they it, the surprisingly, meal. the Tournament of Kings food is really good. It's really good. And again, I ate, like, he was impressed at how fast and how much I ate because I was hungry. Um, <laughs> Did you see the, the freaky, freaky statues? Freaky statues? Hold on. Clarify. Because what? <laughs> no, apparently not. But okay. Um, and so that show was great. But then on the way back... We got to see uh, Mad Apple, which is the new Cirque du Soleil show, and that's at the New York, New York, New York, right? New York. And it was the I'm first. I'm they took out Zumanity, though. Fair, but this was the very first. Um, like, like every everyone has like their own theme, right? This is New York. They had a live bar on the stage, and around like the the okay, stage cool. that they were actually serving people like throughout the show, and then. Um, when the show started, of course, they closed up the bar and turned it into a stage again. Yeah. But um, that was already really cool. They had, um, like, basketball hoop uh, people, like, like slamming down hoops and stuff oh. and doing acrobats and stuff. That was great. Um, there was a whole bunch of really cool stuff. But they had a stand-up comedian and magician as one of the people. Okay. And he was doing political jokes. That blew my mind. And he was like... But, but he did some legit, like, good magic tricks. But still, it was like, whoa. It's like, hold on. Political jokes at a Cirque du Soleil. I was not expecting this. But Dom was quick to point out. He was like, the only thing that the show missed, because it did, like, the Wheel of Death and, like, yeah. a lot of the big stuff. Um, they did, like, this awesome, like, acrobatics thing with, like, in between, um, like... Spoilers. Like, like uh, pillars, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's... There's no story. Come on. You're going to see some amazing stuff. But they didn't have any breakdancing, which you would have thought. Being yeah. Big Apple, yeah. They had, like, street drummers and performers and stuff, but you they didn't have breakdancing, which blew, which kind of surprised us. Um, it was cool. I liked it a lot. Cool. Um, Dom had a really good experience. He didn't get any con crud, but him and I both were getting really bad allergies by the end. Not yeah. nearly as bad as last year. We didn't die. 
Well, I was, I was really perfectly close. fine. You, on the other hand... I was hurting. No, Mind this, you, this felt I think a big part of it, too, is we decided to do the cheap route and stay off Vegas at yes. the... What is it? The Railroad uh, Hotel Pass? Or Railroad something like Pass that. Hotel, yeah. And it just... It was cigarette smoke like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, it was really painful. But no, we stayed at Excalibur both nights, and uh, it was good. He had a very, very good time. I think he very much enjoyed himself. Um, yeah, overall... Very good experience for him. I'm glad I got got a chance to give him that experience because cool. he had never seen something like that before. All right. So my first question to you is, how did it feel compared to other years? Ooh, there was um, there was a lot of camaraderie in this. Like, um, there was some changes I'm going to be talking about here in a bit. Yeah. But there was a lot of like. You could tell a lot of people were knowing that it's changing venues next year, mm-hmm. and they were enjoying it as much as they could. However, what was really strange is that a lot of the big players in previous years uh-huh. had some of the tiniest boosts in this in this year. For example, uh, Fireside Games, they ended up showing up, but they didn't even know that they were gonna. They ended up like joining in on uh, PSI's booth, okay. and they had like half of a table. Like it was really strange. Where they had a whole end. Yeah, they had one cap. Before. Yeah, yeah, last year. Um, AEG just had two tables and some games set up. Surprisingly, because they had uh, they have like I do like their Kickstarter that they announced that they're going to do later this year, where mm-hmm. it's just all the expansions. the expansions. Yeah. So no, and all this stuff made sense. It's just like man, I was very surprised. You know who had one of the yeah AEG is still making games and good games too. Mm-hmm. I will stand by them. Their their games are awesome. Um. The one of the companies that had the biggest boost, uh-huh. Foam Brain. Not surprising. They had a pretty big boost last year. They were huge this year. They were massive because they had they were they were another one that had an end cap, but they basically had a double end cap. So when you had yep. like the, if I remember correctly, where the gamma is, you had like two, the aisles, and mm-hmm. so one end cap went all the way this way, and then you had the other going there, and they basically interconnected those end caps. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They were they were big. Yeah. Um, Hashet had a big boost this year. Man, Hachette oh. didn't even go last year, did they? They did. They did. They weren't big, though. They, they were just another end cap. But compared to this year, they were front and center. Like, they were big. Cool. They made a big splash. So, compared to last year um, and previous years, I think a lot of people felt like, well, this is going to be our last time in Reno. Let's really make the best out of it. Okay. And there was a lot more people spending time around the resort, um, all over the place. Um, it, it, it had a weird... Uh, vibe to it, considering all the game nights and stuff, but yeah. there was a lot more camaraderie and a lot more just hanging out and hanging all. out and having fun. And That's cool. Before they go to, inevitably, Louisville. Yeah. Which, that brings me to my next point. Um, so the schedule I, ta- I touched base on a little bit. Last, mm-hmm. um, now the schedule completely changed itself. I actually liked it when the premiere presentations were just like split up over two days. There was four hours worth. Yeah. Then you'd have a lunch, then you'd have the exhibit hall. That yeah. was awesome. I very much like that. However, um, Ravensburger, they only had a small room, which was such a bad idea. There was people, like, fighting to be going there because of, as uh, Illuminous brought up earlier, Lorcana. Mm. That was the hotness on that. But I'll talk more about that here in a bit. Okay. The schedule, the three days of exhibit hall was really fun. Three days of game night after that, also really fun. Um... It, it was really cool. Um, I, I like the schedule a lot better. Uh, however, a lot of people were discussing about the change to Louisville next year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
nobody could give a definite answer of why. It was advertising like, hey, look forward to Louisville, Kentucky. Like, it's, it's real close to Ohio, yeah. where they're based out of, and we're thinking that's why. Um, apparently, there was some kind of a vote of where to go, and, like, Orlando was on the list, and, like... Honestly... Yeah. Um, but the the biggest concern, and I don't mean to let... And I'm not trying to shoot down anybody or whatever it is, because mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a reason for going to Louisville... But there was a lot of people on their Facebook page mm-hmm. and retailers saying, "Hey, look, um, Kentucky is not exactly known for is not exactly known for its inclusivity, and uh, a lot of my employees fall within an LGBTQ stat or yeah like status, and they simply don't feel safe going to this convention anymore. So we're done, and that sparked a big debate. Like some people asked some um, some questions about that. It's like, well." Do you guys feel like you're still going to go and only stay at the resort? Do you feel like uh, you're not going to go at all anymore? Do you feel like this doesn't even matter? Like what? Like all those? Yeah. And there was a, a lot of discussion about it. But, I mean, that's just the state of the country right now, unfortunately. Well, yeah. There's that well, debate regardless. The, the issue I have with this, too, is just that Louisville doesn't uh, loan you to, you know, tourists. I mean, no. Reno is more touristy than... Yeah. Uh, Louisville, and the big problem with it is, like, I, I get it, I'm a baseball fan, The one of the big major league teams, Cincinnati Reds, they're AAA teams in Louisville, because it's like mm-hmm. 300 miles away, it's close, mm-hmm. and Gamma is based out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. Right, exactly, so, so it's not too far. It's not too far, I get why they're moving it there, but the fact of the matter is, I think with the Louisville move, it's going to hurt it along the lines where... Uh, because a lot of people are going to pull out, um, and a big part is probably because the inclu- uh, inclusivity, mm-hmm. but also because what what's going to make AEG go to Louisville? Like right. Reno, they're based, out of, they're based out of Henderson. Yeah. Well, what's going to make uh, let's say uh, Stronghold go to Louisville? They're based yeah. out of Florida. Why would they go over there? Right. Uh, um, so it's going to hurt like uh, some of the bigger game. Like some of the bigger ones might just send someone there, Robinsburg, sure. possibly. Yeah. But when you go into Reno, you're not that far away from Vegas. Um, so yeah. a lot of people would be, uh, we were talking about it last year, Frank West was making a whole big trip of it. He was there for Isle of Cats, but he was going to like San Francisco, yeah. he was going yeah, to down, he, Vegas and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so my uh, question to you is, along that lines, are you disappointed they're leaving Reno in the West? Very much. Um, I don't like the fact that, like, as far as big conventions go. There's a few, but very few of them are on the West Coast. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I said it at the top of it. It was a 17-hour drive. That's not close, right? Yeah. But... But it's doable. Yeah. Louisville's, what, 28 hours or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, it's far from here. And I'm like, this would have to be two very long days. Yeah. That or two long drives. Yeah, it would be really, really unpleasant to drive that far. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. Excuse me, in in the matter of, like, two or three days. Yeah. That would be obnoxious. Basically, we would have to do two... If we did drive it, we'd have to about do... Two twelves or, uh, like, three eights. Basically do two days... Let's just say we do two two days of driving. Yeah. So that's two days up there, two days back. That's already four days. Yes. Not to mention, the thing is already four days. Right. And where would we stay in between? Yeah, exactly. There's no Vegas there. Yeah, there's no entertainment value whatsoever. Right. I think uh, if you do like what we used to do when we drove to Nashville, we do the 10, 20, 30, 40, 
and yeah. then stop in Little, uh, not Little Rock, Texarkana is where we yeah. would stop. Why, yeah, exactly. why would we want to stay in Texarkana? Right, exactly. Um, Corrupt Senate, please clarify on that. Were there any issues specifically there? Um, AG has been making some great games, though. Mm-hmm. Robinsburger games mostly are pretty good, but yeah, there's been some that... Uh, They've been really going heavy, like IP, kind of like Prospero yes. Hall. They're I mean, trying to be the next Prospero Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so, specifically in, in Louisville, my, my, the boss who owns the store, we were talking, like, we, he can name, he was like, I can name three places right off the top of my head that would be a better pick. Orlando, but it is Florida, so, uh, or, uh, Phoenix, or Austin. Hands down, all of those would be a better pick. Well, even then, if you wanted to do something more centralized, you could do Dallas, Austin. Right. This way you get both East and West Coast over there. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't really want, I, I mean, I want to go to this, this city, but Chicago would be a better choice than Louisville, mm-hmm. and that's saying something. Yeah. Hell, I'd rather go to Omaha, Nebraska than Louisville, Kentucky. Omaha <laughs> would be a better pick. It really would. <laughs> like, I mean, Omaha, yeah, it's dead center in the middle of the country, They, but they again, did. They did not mention yeah. why they're moving the convention. Uh, this was their yeah. fifth year in Reno? Because they did do 2020. Uh, third. Oh, no, they did do 2020, but that was, like, the last one. Right. No, uh, third or fourth. Third or fourth. Was, 2020 was in Reno, too, so... Yeah, 2020. 2019, 2020, because I think before then it was Vegas. 21, 22. Oh, no, uh, they skipped 21. Yeah. 22 and 23, yeah. So, so your best bet, uh, honestly, I think would be for them to go back to Vegas. The, they have that large convention center in Vegas. That would be yeah. their best bet. Because more people would want to go there because they wouldn't just be tied to Gamma. They could go yeah. to a show. They can go get food, like, all over the place. Yeah. And the convention center's pretty large in Vegas. So. Right. So. And, now, and I felt a little sad that they were moving because of the Peppermill Casino. I actually really like that resort. It is a nice resort. I felt, when, I, when we left that last day, I was like, I'm never going to stay at this resort again. Mm-hmm. That, and that kind of makes me sad, because that is a legitimate And honestly, it wasn't super expensive uh, no. for a convention resort. I think you and me paid about 700 each, if that. Something like that, yeah. And we stayed that. there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was about 150 a night. Yeah. Five days. That's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was legitimately really good. Like I I liked it a lot. I like the venue that they have. The food and the way everything's done. The food is fantastic there. They have like what, so, three or four restaurants there? Right. And and so I was talking with a few other people. I mean they have reasons why Louisville might be good for them. Now, here's also one other factor. I used to live in Lexington, Kentucky when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. I I mean, I apologize to anybody who's from Kentucky. I'm sorry, I really disliked it. And that's because I came from a place that is super, super friendly, mm-hmm. not racist, not not politically charged. Yeah. Like, here in New Mexico, people are people. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much love everybody. Anybody who comes in here with bad and ill intent, we get rid of them. Well, no, we, the we, we pretty much love everybody except for Californians. Cause... <laughs> There's plenty of Californians I like, though. We say that jokingly. But, like, yeah, in Kentucky, you don't like I them when they're on the hate. road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's regardless. No, but when in Kentucky, I felt hate. Yeah. Like, I felt what that was. And that was, I don't want to experience that again. Um, well, I probably no, go back to Gamma. I have a very soft spot in my, in my heart for Gamma. Mm-hmm. It would really have to go out of my way to consider going to it. I would consider it. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my first pick. And the thing about Louisville, it's it's not as hard driven as say Lexington, Kentucky, or something like that. Right. It's it's more city based, so it is a little bit more. Well, Lexington is bigger than Louisville. Yeah, but Lexington is also uh, more southern driven, and I guess you can say. I suppose. Yeah. Because I, um, I know people who live in Louisville, and I've heard good things. There's been sure. some bad things too, but. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it's just it's it's difficult for us here. Like right. I, again, Reno is seventeen hour drive, right. which it doesn't sound like uh, a nice drive. Right, but in New Mexico, that's pretty short. But then you also get to stop in Vegas for a day. Yeah, and who doesn't like? I mean, there was a point when we went to Vegas last year. We just drove the strip because we were just amused, and we yeah. walked the strip for Why a little not? bit. Yeah, people watching is fun. Yeah, it and then. We went to our hotel room and slept and drove home. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's just there's more to do that way. And like with Reno, there was more to do. Like uh, some of uh, the people who are uh, making one of your games, yeah, he was like, okay, now I did this. I'm going to go do a poker tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just decided to, yeah. No, but um, Can't do that, so Louisville. In a roundabout way, corrupt Senate, um, to answer your question, no, there wasn't necessarily any specific issues about it other than what we discussed earlier about some people just – generally not feeling safe or welcome in Louisville. Um, now, granted, they haven't done it yet, mm-hmm. but a lot of the people said that what they will likely do is go there one their first year and then probably never again. Yeah, I would go Until just it to changes see. Until different place. Because uh, it's just weird to me. I mean, they don't even do uh, Origins in Louisville. Why, why, if anything, if you're going to move it close to home, why don't you put it in Columbus where Origins is? Right, you might as well yeah. at that point. Yeah. Ohio was fun. I liked it. Hey, I went. Put it in if you if you don't want to do like the West Coast. Put it like in Cincinnati or Cleveland. Let, yeah. let give a, another city in your your home state right. some chances. Exactly. So yeah, that that answers that question. Um, so that talks about the schedule and relocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the next point because that that was your follow up question, right? Yeah. Um, now going there, let's talk about uh, why I went. So I went because of my store. Mm-hmm. Um, I I run the demos at, for my store, and it was really interesting because one of the big things our our boss went and Dom went as kind of like a advisor more or less um, to help us out with feedback. Basically, for, what my role was. Yeah, basically, you know, <laughs> like he don't he didn't have any affiliation with the store, but there was a really interesting event that happened. Is that they were giving the retailer awards out, and we won another one. Mm-hmm. Um, we work. I work with uh, Zia Comics, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and they won um, the award for game innovation. Mm-hmm. And they had to clarify what that was. Um, so both me and, and my boss, we walked up there, gave a little speech, talked talk about yeah, games. Woo! Um, I was very much pro, like the power of the demo. I'm the re- <laughs> like I'm not the reason we're here, but it's like like. I'm the reason we still have demos at our store, right? Yeah. We've been doing it for so long. And and uh, that was good fun. Uh, my boss, he does not like making speeches. This was his first one. <laughs> but then they clarified. They're like, yeah, the reason they won the store is not only do they have a great gaming space. Mm-hmm. They specialize in a lot of other nerdy stuff like sculptures, puzzles, comics, um, all kinds of craziness, right? Yeah. Then on top of that, he has an arcade in the back. <laughs> we have an arcade in our store. And then on top of that, on top of that, he runs a weekly Nerdcast, a podcast Mm -hmm. that talks about gaming and nerd stuff. And he runs the El Paso and Las Cruces Comic Cons. 
Not to so, mention he's just added an anime festival. And an anime festival. A too. horror festival, which I'm looking forward to. I didn't know about that. In what? October, yeah. El Paso Horror Fest. That's my boss? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> News here. Oh my gosh, people. That's amazing. No, I, and so he, he got the award for innovation because it's like he's doing things that no other game store is doing. Yeah. And that's granted, he started as a comic store. Yeah. He wasn't a gamer. He he brought me, and that's why I brought in the games. Yeah. And so... It's, it's his fault. All this is behind us. Yes. <laughs> and so that was really cool to get that recognition. But then on top of that, the entire time I wore the our logo. Yeah. And we were getting compliments from a bunch of people. I met... Um, uh, there was the two people from Slice and Dice up in, uh, up in Albuquerque. Yeah. They were there. I talked to them a lot. Um, there's another store that was in... Uh, that was from Albuquerque, and as soon as we won that award, um, this other store—it's like a magic shop. Okay. Like this guy who shout out like, "Yeah, New Mexico!" And he's like, "Yeah, New Mexico!" Like he, he like he got rowdy. It was great. <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, that's right, representing." And so there was a lot of like representation of of New Mexico and yeah. and that at the at the awards, and that was really fun to see. And so after that, we all got together and was chatting, and that, they were good nice. fun. So, I mentioned, uh, let's see, what my follow-up question was going to be. So, uh, speaking of the store, and bring up uh, Illuminus's, what he's been mentioning a lot, and this could lead you up into your next point. Do you think the store is going to carry Lorcana in, because they just recently announced another trading card game, Star Wars Unlimited? Yes. Star Wars Unlimited, I can almost guarantee we're not. You're not? No. Okay. I can almost guarantee we're not. Because, first off, Fantasy Flight just released Star Wars Deck Builder, which we carry. And they just released Star Wars Shatterpoint. I mean, that was Atomic Mass. Sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, still. They got you Epic War. Asmodee. Yeah, Asmodee. Um, plus, they've done Star Wars collectible card games and collectibles and uh, expandable card games or living yeah. card games. They've done all these before. Yeah. And we've sold Destinies, which didn't sell at all. I, I say just told, we sold Destinies before mm-hmm. very loosely. With that being said, Lorcan is a very different story. Yeah. Oh, well, I just figured because those were huge. some of the things there. So There is a good chance that, they are, that almost every store there ordered multiple, multiple cases. Well, One first off, year. it's Disney. And it's Disney. And it's a TCG. Now, I did get an understanding of how to play it. Okay. A brief understanding. It plays... It's not quite like Magic. It's more similar to Keyforge. Where all of your... All, most of your characters that can be brought out can be turned into um, ink, basically. Okay. And they you put them face down, and they are then effectively your mana. And all the cards need a certain number of ink in order to produce, which makes Got sense. Got it. Yeah. Um... Now, the goals of the cards is not so much to beat each other up, the last person standing wins. It's more to be to a certain number of um, uh, inspiration points or something like that. Gotcha. Like, I want to say 15 or 20. And a lot of the cards can do it kind of like reaping in, in, in that uh, in Keyforge. Okay. Now, that being said, that was easily the hottest game of the convention. Well, I knew no, it was going no to be. No doubt. Yeah. I knew it was going to be. For one thing, TCGs tend to sell pretty well in yeah. most... most. Uh, in fact, uh, Magic the Gathering and... What is it? The Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Yeah. They tend to carry stores sometimes. Right. So... Mm-hmm. 
I yeah. figured a Disney one is going to sell like hotcakes at least for will. a year or two. No, we requested to be to be part of it, and we did order some, but um, we fear strongly that it's going to be heavily out- allocated. Yeah, I... and so with that being said, there's a lot of stores who might not get get boxes of boosters to sell. Now, most living probably games, not to buy on release just just from the Disney fans alone. From the looks of that convention, I don't think they will. I think they could be printing straight through until then, and I still don't. Yeah. Now, one of the things to tell you how hot it was, we were talking at the booth. We were at Robinsburger, and we were just looking at some of the cards, like, okay, this kind of makes sense. And there was like this little box. It looked like kind of like a little, um, like carrying case. I was like, is this just like a carrying case, or is this a thing? And I looked it up, and immediately one person, like, sir, don't pick that up, please. Don't touch that. I was like, yes, sir. Sorry. Awkwardly slide away. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's just a cardboard box, like. Like, I get it, you're just trying to show off the product, but I was like, what even is this cardboard box? Is it a deck box? Like, yeah. It's kind of, like, a little too wide to be a deck box. It's like, is this, like, a collector's box? Like, I don't, like, oh, man, thou shalt not touch. It was really, like, like they got offended. It was mad. So, then, I have a, a follow-up question to this, mm-hmm. because I know you're talking about it. Do you think Disney of Arcana will kill no. Sorcerer's Arena? Nope. You don't think it will? No, I think it'll make a splash and then stop. Oh, you think Lorcana is going to splash? Kind of like what Sorcerer's Arena did too. Well, uh, Sorcerer's Arena did not do well. Yeah, um, it was a great strategy game. It is not a great game, or it's not that good. Um, <laughs> now, here's the thing: I don't think it. I think it'll overtake it initially. But will I think it lasts more than a few years. I doubt it, honestly. I I would love for that to be the contender against Pokemon and Magic. I really would. I think that has the reasons it it could. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will. But if there's one company that could pull it off that has never been part of collectibles again, it's Robinsberger. They've been around for like 130 years. Well, that and the fact that they're actually getting pretty good support from what I've heard. Very good support. Yes. Yeah, Disney loves it. But I don't know. I don't think it will, honestly. Was that your follow-up? No, that was my follow-up to the the Lorcana thing. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking um, speaking of stores and publishers... That's going to lead me into my next, uh, my next point, is that uh, a lot of the publishers, uh, speaking of like buying product and all that, there was a big heavy push on going direct sales. A lot of these companies were sense. part of. That was the big thing of this convention that I got from most publishers, is that yeah, a lot of them have distributors, have ways to get the games to your store, but really they want you ordering direct from them. So much to the point that. Um, Hachette really had a perfect example of this. Hachette, um, that, I mean, I brought it up earlier, Cordo and Corridor, right? They're mm-hmm. two of their big uh, Gigamic games. Now, the thing is, they were, they were having such a problem with counterfeiters and resellers, and they have a thing called a MAP, a minimum asking price, mm-hmm. um, which is generally a retail price. And Amazon, anybody who sells on Amazon, is not allowed to go below that MAP. Now, the stores... They were mo- they're more lenient on it because they're like, oh, well, you're, if you're just trying to push the product, you know, yeah, yeah go ahead and do, if you already bought the retail copy, you can do what you need to do. You're not trying to undercut people. Don't sell it online for that. Yeah. If you're selling your store, it's fine. Don't sell it on Amazon. And so many people kept going on Amazon and breaking their map and selling it for cheaper. And then it got to the point where they said, okay, fine, no longer. And Cordo and Corridor and Koale, their new one, 
you cannot buy it on Amazon anymore. They pulled all of it. Hmm. They said, nope, never again. And CGE, even, they were they were discussing that. This was on one of the panels that Dom went to. Mm-hmm. He explicitly said, like, they need to order, like, you should order directly from us. Um, if you, like, we've pulled pretty much all of our product from there because there is so much counterfeit. Yeah. They even pretty much said, if somebody brings a counterfeit to your store, send them my way. Because we will definitely, like, find a way to replace them, reimburse them, whatever they need to be, and make them be a, a fan of the game that they were trying to buy in the first place. Yeah. Because if it doesn't say Made in the Czech Republic, it is not, it is not a, a CGE game. Yeah. And, and, if, and if they get, like, a counterfeit, we need to know about it sooner than later. And so they're really pushing that. So many companies were being hit hard with that, um, with counterfeits, with all of these problems that they're like, hey, we want to sell directly to you. Not even through distributors. Like, they all have their own logistical problems. They're a logistics company for a reason, right? But they're like, if you just order it from us, we'll just send it to you. Yeah. And so they were pushing that hard. They were kind of doing that last year because a lot of, like, when we went to GameRite, they're like, well, you can go through your distributor, but if you want to, you can just order strictly from us. Yeah. And we'll throw in these Last year was us. the option. Yeah. This year was, like, really, we Pushing want you it, to yeah. do it. And so much to the point that um, you can tell one of the big things, you remember how many companies gave out demos and stuff mm-hmm. and, like, how much free stuff? So this year they took a different turn. Like, okay. actually, Brad, I know you don't like me showing off, like, like, like small stuff, but like, this is an example of one. This is from Robinsberger. This is a little packet of card, uh, mini cards called "That's Not a Hat." This is one of their card games that they had for sale, but they have a mini demo version because very few companies are giving out demos now. Yeah. Which I guess one of the things was they were finding out, oh well, if we send you a demo, it just goes onto a demo library shelf and then just stays there forever. Mm-hmm. And what's the point of sending you a free copy if you're like you're not going to push it, right? Yeah. That's the point of these. So they sent. These little tiny demos, I wonder if you can see it. It's literally just a blister sleeve, and um, it opens up, and there is uh, 12 mini, mini, mini cards that are for that purpose. <laughs> and, like, that's a cool little demo. And so they're, they're trying to find solutions. They're like, how can we give demos to a company without just sending them free copies of a game that they either sell or just sits indefinitely on, on, uh, on a shelf? And CGE came up with a great solution. Ready? I don't think you've seen this yet. CGE came up with a great solution. Here's Codenames the demo. Here's the Codenames demo. Right there. It looks like a box of raisins. It's a box of raisins. It's so good. And this thing is great because I haven't opened my copy yet. This is the the size of these. These are new cards. Those are the actual cards. These are the actual cards. And then... Um, in here, there is uh, some of the trader cards and stuff. Yeah. There is no, um, there is no assassin in this version. This is just a demo. All the card, all the instructions fit on a couple cards and has a barcode so you can, or a QR code so that way you can learn how to play it or start your game. And all of these are compatible with the game itself. That's cool. And they're different cards. That's cool. So it's like this is a brilliant idea. No, it CGE. Is. This is what you need to do. Like, when I walked by the booth, I didn't even know that they were doing this, and I literally said... Well, CGE was kind of starting to do stuff like that last year, so they had, like, little print sheets that you can get off their website mm-hmm. to teach Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the principles. Yeah. yeah. And which was awesome. And, like, they have that same idea, but they were like, hey, we want you to have copies of... Like, it's no longer the days of, let's give you the giant, expansive, yeah. like, version of it that has massive... Gar- no. Like, 
this is literally a demo you put in your pocket and you can teach this game anywhere you go. This is way more valuable and way easier. And so when I walked by this, I was like, I, I asked the guy who was working there, I was like, hey, look, I'll be honest. I thought I knew of every Codenames product. Mm -hmm. What is that? <laughs> and he was like, oh, let me show you. He's like, do you have one yet? I'm like, no, I haven't even seen it. He was like, now you do. I was like, okay. I was like, this is intriguing. Tell me more. And I was like, we sell this at your store, but man, like, this is hilarious. And That's so you cool. do a four by four grid instead of a five by five. Okay. And then it has a little, little card right there, a little blue card. Nice. So, I mean, why can't companies do stuff like this? Like, this is a smart idea. And that's where they're going instead of giving out free demo copies. They're making miniaturized ideas, <laughs> which is kind of a cool little um, aspect to that game. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice lunch game. Uh-huh. So, my next question is kind of going a little off-topic in a sense about the Gamma itself. How are the Shans? Oh, the Shans are great. Um, so, to explain who the Shans are, um, Thing 12 Games... Uh, Sean Harold, Sean Epperson, that, that's the owner and one of the, and the main designer yeah. of Thing 12's great people. I'm going to tell you flat out, any, I just noticed the lock on the wall. <laughs> I just noticed that. That's it took great. me long enough. It took me long enough. Um, those guys are some of the coolest two dudes in all of gaming. They are super friendly. They're super hilarious. They are completely off the wall, and it's hilarious watching it, because they're totally different. And but I, I, guess I, been I like, our, like our two-year plan years. between me and Dom, the screw you over. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the plan. No, they're great people. They are publishing one of my games, so of course I'm heavily biased, but they really do care about the designers. Oh, yeah. Like, and you could tell. Yeah. They, like, they, they go out of their way to harness um, designers and promote them, and just like, not just like, like, he... The way they talk to me is is not so much like, a, oh, yeah, we signed one of your things, we're going to print it, hopefully it does good, and yeah, no, we'll pay just, you if it does. They're very friendly. They're, they are very much like, we want to get a group of designers, we want to get you guys bouncing ideas off each other, we want you guys to, to you know, become a team, we want you guys to enjoy each other's presence. And and not only did we just hang out with the Sean's, we hung out with, uh, uh, I don't know why his name is slipping my mind. John Wood. John, John Wood, yes. I was like... <laughs> I don't know why. Sorry, John. And his lady friend. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, and his lady friend. Yeah, Maggie. She was awesome. And then a couple other designers that we met um, that, that worked directly with them. The vast majority of time that we spent was in a group of us, <laughs> like playing each other's games and just loving it. I'm every not minute. surprised because we did that last year. Yeah, <laughs> and very much so this year. And um, so uh, they may be interested in one of my games. Um, the, 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 the long con I was talking about is me and uh, a friend of mine have a love uh, to take the mickey out of this guy by turning all of the games that he's designed into a cat game. And we finally got the Shans to thinking about turning one of his games into a cat game. <laughs> yeah, they're thinking about it. <laughs> um, but no, on top of that though, no, they're super cool dudes. And one of the games that that I told you about, the mm -hmm. one that they're interested in, every time I'd walk by them at the bar, like, hanging out, they were playing that with just different people just to see what <laughs> the reaction was. Yeah. And every time it was a banger. It was, was it so the card good. game or the dice game? Card game. Okay. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's just every time people chuckling, laughing, <laughs> and we all agreed because one the main, uh, Sean, the designer, he, at first when he saw it, he was like, huh, it seems a little unbalanced, like, maybe there's a way we can clean it up. I'm like, I'll be honest with you, the point of it is to not be balanced. I was like, this game is just so ridiculous and raucous that it's that's the point. 
and it ended up working pretty well. They were doing great, um, which leads me to my next point. Um, just friends. Like, mm-hmm. we got to see Justin and Marie. Sweet um, people. Yep, they're the owners of uh, Fireside Games. Kurt Covert, we had dinner with him on one of the nights. Uh, always great to see him. I just wish which, I was able to do that. Which, what did we discuss before the convention? We were talking about Evergreens, right? Yeah. Boop is already on his third print run in Not one surprised. year. In one year, he when he first ordered Boop, he ordered. He told me something like I want to say like twelve to fifteen thousand. That's more than he's ever ordered of any other game. Not even just on well, the fact that it's really game. an abstract game, and he sold out. In, the f- yeah, yeah, it's abstract. He sold out in three weeks. Then he was like, "Okay, we'll order another fifteen thousand. Then it'll slow down. Sold out in two weeks, <laughs> and now he's on his third print. He's like, "We're buying more now than we ever have." And I just looked at him and was like, "I hope that means evergreen. I really do." Yeah. I was like, "I want this to be your evergreen. You've needed it for so many years." The fact you that you're so you're, so you were saying that you want him to be an evergreen at a cat game. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want it for him. I really do. No, I don't. Well, all of the best, all of the best people in gaming have those ever. Too is they're making a Halloween version of Boop. Yeah, Boop. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. And then on top of that, I I met somebody who who's now uh, you know a good friend. He he worked at the Devere booth, um, and I I had a meeting to show him one of my games. However, I didn't realize like because I I was like who who is this person? Like I didn't know it by name. Yeah. And when I went to go meet him on one day, he was the one that you got all buddy-buddy with <laughs> and talking about, like, minor league hats and, like, <laughs> sports and stuff where you sat in the DeVere booth for, like, a half hour straight talking. <laughs> and I didn't realize that was him. And I was like, wow, okay. I wish I sports balled more. But it worked out well because I found out he's a huge fan of techno music, which is my, my <laughs> bread butter. Oh, my goodness. So now he, he's an awesome guy. We got to meet a lot of... I, I met Johnny Pack. He was a really nice guy. Um, well, it's funny because I remember that guy because uh, he would always talk to me like... Cause he would see us on different days because we'd always go through the like the DeVere booth and I'd always have a different hat on. And yeah. that's when we started talking yeah. about it. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, like how super... many hats did you bring? I'm like, one for every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. No, he, that was hilarious. No, it, it, was a, it was a raucous time. And it was good to see like all the old people. And one of the big... The big takeaways from that is that we're, we're talking about, like, my my goal this year was very different than last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, um, I had, um, like, I, I had probably 15 meetings lined up. Yeah. Like, I was just constant meeting, 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 meeting. This one, I had one. Okay. One planned. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go chat with these people. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to any more gammas. I just want to meet these people and just yeah. hang out with them and talk with them. And then if they're interested in, in hearing my games, then sure, I'll show them, yeah. you know, whatever. But my goal is to just have fun. Well, that answers and, my next question. Who did you pitch to? Uh, to Veer. <laughs> um, there, there was a quick meeting with Weird Draft. I did talk to uh, Trick or Treat Studios. Nice. Show them one of mine, which I want to give them a props here in a minute to answer that question. But, yeah, a lot of the people who I was talking to said that, you know, a lot of, a lot of what this year of Gamma was – once they came back from the pandemic last year, mm-hmm. it was like a family reunion. Like it felt yeah, like it really everyone was just like, like we're year. back, we Everybody missed like, you all. Yeah. yeah. And so now that it's picking back up, they're feeling better about it. And they're yeah. like, yeah, you can tell there's so much camaraderie in the industry. But um, speaking of pitching to, I want to give Trick or Treat Studio credits. First off, they weren't a board game company. They no, are a massive They're all prop horror like props and, and stuff. Or like, like 
items, whatever. They make amazing stuff. And they were kind enough to let me pitch them a game. And there's been times where I've pitched games to publishers and they're like, well, you know, we'll think about it. We're not yeah. really sure. Uh, like, we'll take a demo, whatever. And then they used to never hear from them again. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just fine. I mean, everyone's busy. They were the first, they were one of the few people like, yeah, you know, like, we enjoyed it. Um, it's not our style, we'll be honest, but, like, we appreciate you showing us. And if you have anything else that works for us in the future, let me know. And they cool. were just like, <laughs> I, I would rather get a flat-out rejection than waiting yeah. and not sure, right? Exactly. Right. And it's like, because then I have to hold the game. Well, that. they were kind enough to do that. And I know what started... you're doing next. You're going to start coming up with a game that's horror-themed. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not my goal. But, um. Was Chippecary uh, Theory Games there? Um, no. I don't believe so. And if they were, they had a very small presence. Yeah, they they weren't big. Yeah, I, I don't think so. But, they weren't um, there last year either, so. Yeah, uh, they don't tend to show off that much. Um, but, like I said, I would much rather have that honestly. Yeah. And I really appreciated them for that. And they were just cool guys. But they did tell me a little bit of some of their plans for the future, which I will have to share with you off camera, because I am not at liberty to say publicly. <laughs> but... I don't. Be- oh my goodness! When, honestly, when they announced uh, the Halloween game by Emerson Matsuchi, I was. Yep. They they've already won me over. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that one's. <laughs> that's not even close to why I'm excited. Oh, I I'm excited about that. I have an idea because it has to do with probably one of your favorite movies of all time. Probably my favoriteest <laughs> movie of all time. Anyway, again, can't say it on camera. Anyway, so um, yeah, that that's how that worked out. All right. So your next point. Oh, yes, I did answer your question. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are the Sean's? And then what was the next one? Well, because you were talking about like who you were pitching to. And that, oh, yeah. Like, who was my I next pitching question, to? Yep. Who did you pitch to? <clears throat> now, one of the things that I really liked about Gamma, and I apologize if this is going on way too long. But I got two more points, or two more questions, so we're I, good. And I have three more, so we're good. Okay, cool. So one of the things that I thought was really cool is that there was a lot of companies that were really trying to go unique. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite things about it is that a lot of companies that were there were, it, it's no longer just the, oh, like, I, I, I don't want to say roll and move because that hasn't been the industry standard in a long time. But there's been companies who just make, like, you know, engine building or worker placement, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, they concentrate right. on one. They concentrate on one thing, right? Kind of like uh, uh, Garpill Games really does worker placements a lot. <laughs> right, exactly. No, there was, there's a lot of companies that are really trying to go out of their way to do really just different innovative stuff okay and whether it's be app integration or or whatever um i have a couple of points that i wanted to make um like cheese thief that's not super innovative but like the it's components the theme it. like they they took a social deduction game and made it like family friendly that's kind of weird um instead of like oh we're mafia members Ooh, i want my oh, 12 year old like murdering each other right yeah mm-hmm. that's what i want but um but this was more like but one of the one of the ones that was really intriguing. I'm not an RPG fan. Okay. But they had there was this one that I saw where it was basically this this cool little slip cover. You open it up. It's about the size of like an envelope. You open it up and there it opens up like this, and there is a bunch of like like map pamphlets, like like oh, okay. quadfold pamphlets, and they are RPG books. And so like about five of them are different characters that you open up. Those are your character sheets. They're wedding race. So you can actually, or laminated, so you can actually, like, draw your character stat sheets, and it's going to stay there permanently until you need to get rid of it. And all the other pamphlets are one-shots in, in, like, this little universe. And so they have, like, all these things, and they're, like, 30 bucks for, like, a packet of those. Okay. 
and it has like ten one shots in it, like that you could base your characters off and do it like any order or whatever. Okay, that's an innovative idea. Yeah, but then on top of it, the game that was the most innovative out of all of them, there was a two player game from Scorpion Mask, I believe. God, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. It was a, it was from Hachette, and their big thing was a game called Sky Team. It is a two-player cooperative... You told me about this one, yeah. Uh, ...dice placement, your landing a plane game. Yeah. Me and Dom played this together and had an absolute blast. We, we enjoyed it. We're like, yeah, that's totally worth it. That's going to be a blast. It even has, like, a little clear dial with a mm-hmm. with the shape of an airplane on it. So, like, as you're trying to balance it... Yep. You, you can see it, like, spinning and, and all that stuff. Like, we got a little cattywampus in the, in the middle there. It was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> You know, and we're, we're joking around about it. But then we're like, okay, that was a fun game, but we won, and we probably never need to play it again. Yeah. And we found out the next day during the presentation, no, there's like a 10-scenario campaign to it. Oh, like, nice. what happens if you're, like, trying to land on ice? Or what happens when, like, well, like different airports have different amounts of traffic in okay. different areas? Like, what if you have certain things that are hindered? It's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, and that... Leveled it above. And so, you like, you never used to see stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Tesseract from Smirk and Dagger has, oh, like, yeah, this, yeah, I this saw, cube. I saw and they had a little, like, run, or a little um, Lazy Susan thing. Yeah. And it's a little turntable. And what was so cool about it, I don't know how they engineered it, but it actually can take, like, bumps to the table. And oh, it'll stay cool. standard. So, like, there was one point where where the guy, like, bumped the table as he was talking about it. Mm. And, and you see, like, wobbles. Like, whoa. Goodness, he was like, oh, no, don't worry about that. That's designed for that. And he shakes the table a little bit. And he's saying, whoa, and the dice just stay perfect. I'm like, that's awesome. I, I'm nice. interested in Tesseract. I did, uh, yeah. I see, I saw a, a gameplay of it, and it looks mm-hmm. really interesting. What goes to my question, what was the game that most intrigued slash interested you? That you um, played, you saw, you looked at? Probably Earth. I, I I was hoping you would say that because that's a game I was looking forward to. I know uh, there was a you, lot of games I was very was this, very excited about. Is this part of your points, uh, Earth? Mm-hmm. Knock it out. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of games that really struck my interest. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, and I could go on. I could talk about all the different games that we ordered, all the different things that were interested to us. But I want to say the owner of Inside Up Games. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. He. I, Forgive me if for some reason you're listening to this. He had by far the best teach of a game I have ever seen in my life. He taught us a very, fairly complex game in a matter of about 10 minutes, was absolutely thorough, and he was like, what's going to happen is this is normally a simultaneous turn or, or game. We are going to take the first rounds at... Uh, in order, which will take us a little bit longer, and when you feel comfortable, you can go into simultaneous actions. But we're going to get you started, and he explained every little detail. Absolutely perfect. We all completely understood. I was already a little tired at that night, and well, there, was, there was not a single thing I missed about it. Because it was like, what, 45 minutes before the... Yes, yeah, so it was 45 minutes before the con finished. Um, he was funny the entire time. He had a great sense of how everyone understands gaming. And all of us, after we all fr- took the first turn, asked a couple questions, it was simultaneous at that point on. Cool. And he just stood there and was just ready to answer questions, <laughs> which he did. And he did, it was it was such an impressive demo I've ever seen that 
I think my appreciation for the game raised because of that alone. Like, because that already was kind of a more difficult game yeah. than most. Yeah. But just the way he did it. And and we brought up the fact that I was colorblind and we were talking about it. He even made a joke at it. <laughs> uh, or he was about to make a joke, but he stopped. And then I made the joke. And he was like, okay, cool. I, I'm so glad you did. Because I was like, so I wanted to, but I didn't know you yet. <laughs> and no, uh, he, he cracked me up. But he he's very much interested in, like, the... Like, because he was asking me, he was like, so how does this look compared to this? Because, like, I want to know, like, for future yeah. printings, I want to fix this. And he was very active on, like, the development. Because he was like, even though this is the first time I printed it, mm-hmm. um, I want to still go back and refine it to make it easier for you guys. And that's that's persistent. And it, it, it actually does really well from what yeah. I've seen of the game. Because they mm-hmm. not only they put shapes on the colors as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and on top of it's, that... That's the simplest thing you can do. Yeah. If, if anything, if you're going to put colors... Put different shapes on them, make it mm-hmm. easier for colorblind people. Okay, yellow has squares, a green has X's. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, that's that's all it takes, really. Yeah, and like, and his colors were off a little bit, but you yeah. know, and he under, he admitted that he was like, no, it was like when we printed it, it came out in different different shades, and I thought yeah. it was gonna. So it's like that that's on me, and but after that, one of the coolest parts about Earth, and mm-hmm. you could tell a lot of people were pushing for him to do be successful. He was a very popular guy. Where even at one point, like, during the... Like, a- everyone wanted to come up to him, and anybody who had any interaction with him in, from prior years mm-hmm. gave him, like, a big old congratulations. Like, <laughs> dude, like, I'm so glad you made it. Like, this this is great. Good so on you speaking for of which, uh, when I went to Empire, they had, like, ten copies there. Yeah. So, not surprising. I, I actually have a pre-order of a Kickstarter coffee coming in soon-ish. Yep. I think they're supposed to get there. I should get it around end of May. And when we get it, we're going to be selling it at our store. Yeah. Yeah, Earth, that was a fantastic demo. I was just so much to the point where I was really impressed with it. All right, so that goes along with what the most interesting game. You were going to talk about that talking point, so let me ask you my last question. Did you even leave the pepper mill? <laughs> I want to say I did, but did I? <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> I think every meal was there. I want to say we... No, we did. We went to Ruby Tuesday. Oh, I was going to say, did oh, you, no. you didn't go to that yeah, chicken Ruby place Tuesday. that you, we went the... the no, I didn't. Crazy D's. <laughs> Crazy D's. No. I went to... Because halfway through the convention, I had eaten poultry for every meal. I had about ten servings of poultry throughout like, You're like three days. I need like macaroni or something. I needed something else. <laughs> Uh, but we did go to uh, Ruby Tuesdays a couple times. That was great because uh, Dom was all for it, and our boss had never been. I'm not a huge fan of Ruby Tuesdays, other than they have uh, decent fries. No, oh, their fries are great. Yeah, they have great fries. Yeah, that seasoning. Mm-hmm. The, the food itself is fine. It's yeah. not nothing spectacular. They also have um, I want to say it's like a root beer shake or root beer yeah. float or something like that. It was bottomless. Really, yeah, bottomless root beer floats. That's mm-hmm. that and the fries are the reason That's I right. would go. That's right. No, yeah, we. We enjoyed that, and we don't have one anywhere near here. So no, yeah. I think what is that one by Sam's? That's not a Ruby Tuesdays. What is it? Uh, uh, Red Robin. Red Robin. Yeah. Ugh. No, no, that's backwards. We went yeah, to Red, it's Robin. The Red Robin, not Ruby, the Ruby Tuesdays. Tuesdays here. Is here, yeah. Red Robin, yum. All right, um, not a sponsor. And then my last thing that I wanted to talk about was one thing that happened that was really fantastic that I thought was really interesting. Um, thing Twelve was kind enough to host uh, my. The game that they're printing of mine mm-hmm. called Matches. It's still in. It's still it's coming in production. To, uh, production, yeah. It's in manufacturing now. Um, so we're gonna fulfill it when we fulfill it. I got to show some very special people that 
Like, not only did pretty much anybody who walked by the booth, if I happened to be there, I was showing off how to play matches. Yeah. And I'm excited. Some of the names of the people I showed it to. Ryan from Ryan and Bethany Board Game Reviews. He was there. I pulled him over. I was, he was like, yeah, this is cool. And I showed it to a few other people. I showed it to Tom Vassell. And I showed it to Eric Martin of Board Game Geek. Oh, nice. All three of them, I got a chance to show on my game. So I was like, I'm really interested in just showing you guys what this is. And then if at some point, I'll send you a copy of whatever so you can review it. But I'm really just intrigued to show you this. Also, pay attention to whenever we do get our copies, there will be one, at, at least one, for a giveaway. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. But, yeah. So those reviewers, that was... And everyone who played it, they all, they all had a blast. So... I'm very excited to actually get it to the stores, get it to show you guys. Give away a free copy, hint, hint, everyone who's <laughs> in the chat. But that'll be it for me. That was the Gamma Recap. If you have any more questions, let us know. But uh, with that being said, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you ever want to contact us directly and join us on a live episode like Illuminous, like Sora, like... Um, Corrupt Senate. Uh, Corrupt yeah, any of our friends... Please join us on twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames and join in on the conversation. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what you do, we do here, there's three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you want to join us for our live, our live episode... I've already said that. If you want to email us directly with an idea for a future episode, join in on the conversation, just even say hi, or to send your hate mail to Daniel, or Daniel. email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. With that being said, thank you all for joining us. Want to thank us you out? so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.